You're listening to The Lively Show, episode 244. Welcome to The Lively Show. I'm your host, Jess Lively, and this blogcast is designed to uplift, inspire, and add a little extra intention to your everyday. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you so much, as always, for listening. Support for today's podcast comes from ABC presenting Kevin Probably Saves the World, one of Entertainment Weekly's much-watched new shows. Kevin wasn't so great at life, he lost his job and his girlfriend, and then he moved in with his sister, but things took a turn when Kevin learned his true calling. He's been chosen to save the world. Now his destiny may be our best shot. Kevin Probably Saves the World has a new episode airing on Tuesday at 10, 9 central on ABC. If you guys want to check out a new show and you might be looking for one in your own life and you like the Abraham Hicks stuff and all the stuff that we're talking about here, I think this TV show would be a great uplifting one to check out. In addition, today's episode is sponsored by Rent the Runway. Rent the Runway has their new unlimited program, which I got to try myself while I was in New York and it was so much fun. If you want to, for one flat monthly price, rent unlimited designer pieces on rotation, this is literally designed for you. And it was so much fun to try myself. I got to pick the items that I wanted to wear. These are expensive things that I would not normally buy on my own with really cutting edge styles. This was the way for me to test drive those things, see if I wanted to keep them, because you can keep them at a significantly discounted rate if you do decide you love it, or you can trade them in and get something new. You get three pieces at a time and keep them as long as you want. And when you're done with them, you send them back in and they dry clean it. They do the shipping. All of it's taken care of you guys. I love this so much and I really recommend you check it out if it's something you're interested in. In addition, Lively Show listeners get 25% off of their first month. So if you want to give this a try, this is a way to do so. You can go over to rentherunway.com slash unlimited. That's the one that I'm talking about. Not fancy dresses. This is more everyday pieces. Enter the code LIVELY for that 25% off. I hope you love it as much as I did. Okay, guys, now let's move on. Thank you so much for listening to Tuesday's episode about a lively adventure. I hope you're enjoying it if you've already gotten it and you're already starting to dive in. And if you haven't and you don't even know what I'm talking about, head over to Tuesday's episode to learn more. And of course, if you want to find out about a lively adventure or you actually want to purchase a lively adventure, you can go over to livelyadventure.com. Alivelyadventure.com was already taken, so this is just directly livelyadventure.com. And of course, feel free to head over to Instagram to suggest your listener choice vote for which episode of A Lively Adventure will be airing in its full length next Thursday. Now, in terms of where I'm at, I am currently in Sydney, where I have no idea what time it is in my head right now. It's the afternoon if I'm actually in Sydney, but in my head after the jet lag coming from Europe and London recently, it's kind of all a jumbled mess. So I'm kind of in this weird hazy zone. Try not to think about it too much, but I am here in Sydney. And like I just said, I'm coming from Europe because I was just at the Abraham Hicks cruise in the French Riviera. It was so much fun. And as you guys may have noticed in the last few weeks, by the way, let me just say this at the top of the show. The microphone I use, I had to actually check my backpack, which normally does not happen in a recent flight. And I think it kind of might have jumbled up the mic. So if you notice any weird sounds on this mic, we are working to get a new one sent to me and I'll be having an updated audio quality in the future. But we're going to make do with what we got and flow with it as it is. But yes, while I was on this cruise, I was learning from one of my very favorite teachers, especially in the last two years, of course, Abraham Hicks. You guys have heard me talk about this on the show, so I'm not going to go too much into Abraham, but if you don't know what that is, I'd suggest you guys head over to Audible and listen to the Law of Attraction audiobook. 
don't read it, listen, because it's Channel Work by Esther Hicks Channeling Abraham. And this information just resonated at such a deep level with me many moons ago. And now I've listened to so many thousands of hours of it. And it's kind of a sweet irony before I even dive into all the things I learned in the Abraham Hicks Cruise, because that's what we're going to do today is talk about what I actually learned, what was actually discussed in the five sessions over the 10-day cruise. But the funny thing is when I first heard about Abraham and realized that they did these cruises where she spoke, because I'd only heard people that had gone on cruises Typically, not all of my friends, but a lot of them kind of were down on cruises and they didn't really like them. So I thought it was a cheesy thing at first. Then I listened to a million hours of Abraham and whatever cheesy factor I initially thought I would have, I have to tell you, I was so excited. This was a highlight of my year and all of the conferences and all the places I've been. I truly loved this experience. It was so cool to be able to go explore different cities during the day. And then on the sailing days, when we're actually going from port to port, we were actually learning from Abraham. So it was kind of the best of all worlds. And now I can see why they've been doing what they've been doing and hope to do more cruises with them in the future. But like I said, we're going to actually talk about what I learned throughout it. So I'm going to actually look at my notes. And as you guys, if you follow me on Instagram, you're going to see me with tea and books and notes and highlighters all the time. That is my alignment and happy place. And while I was in the cruise, of course, I was going to take notes. I did not get in the hot seat. I know you guys had asked me if I would, and though I was at many times seeking out the early bird spot so you can actually be closer to the front because if you're not in the front, she's not calling on you. She probably can't even see you from where she's standing on stage if you're very far away. So yes, I did try to get on the stage and ask some questions, but it didn't work out that way. But at the end, of the day, that's totally fine. As she says at the beginning of each of them, every question you have will be answered. Don't worry, it will come through. And I can say it really did. And even some questions that weren't totally answered, I flowed into the answers and other resources as well in recent weeks. So I feel like my guides, Joe, whatever you want to call it, I also have them to call on whenever I want. So I feel like it's great that other people got to go sit in the hot seat. And I took notes. 14 pages of them, guys, 14 pages. What I started to do today was look at them and start doing my fancy highlighting because it just helps me see the information better when I highlight. And I started numbering all of the takeaways. And I'm now on, I don't know, like 30 or 40 takeaways so far and counting. Haven't even gotten it. I don't even know halfway through all the pages. So we're going to break this down because I really want to share all this information with you guys. I don't just want to go over the surface and skim it for you. I want to go into all the nitty gritty details because as you know, this is one of the most recent Abraham Hicks things that's ever come through. So a lot of topics were new or things that I hadn't heard them share before. Some of it was review as well. So this is going to be really fun to be able to dive into them and also share and add to them in situations where you guys might need some context because all of these bullets came out of conversations Abraham was having with people in the hot seat. But I'm taking notes, so I can't remember or get all of the transcript or dialogue right. I was just getting the major key elements, and then I'll expand on them so you guys can understand what was going on a little bit here. So we're going to start, and then we'll break it up so there'll be other episodes in the future here on the show as well to continue to round out everything that I learned from this. So I'm going straight from my ears to yours. So let's get started. By the way, you might be hearing some papers rustling because this is real. I'm just sitting on in bed with a microphone that's not totally working talking to you. So let's start with point number one. 
So for point number one, I found it really interesting. This happened right in the beginning of day number one. She said, you don't need patience when you enjoy the unfolding of each moment, which is so interesting. We don't need patience when we're enjoying the unfolding of each moment. So what this is really saying, you guys have heard this a million times in other ways before, it's about the journey, not the destination. What she was basically saying is a lot of times we think we need to have patience, but what that is is a stance that says that where I am is not as good as where I will be, which is putting all this emphasis on this future moment, thereby with law of attraction, not being a match for what you want right now. So you're not going to ever receive it because you're not a match for it. In each moment, in order to receive, you actually have to be a vibrational match to what you're looking to receive. So when you feel like you need to have patience, what that's showing you is that in this moment, there is a way to enjoy it more so that you can actually match the frequency of whatever it is that you do want to achieve. So this is something that's kind of interesting to think about. And I'm not saying that when we have that feeling of, oh, I need to have patience, that that's a bad thing. But what it is, is it's really just an invitation for us to know where we are on the vibrational scale, see that we're not exactly where we want to be, and then recognize that there is a way, we can find that way to enjoy the unfolding of this moment as much as that future thing so that the patience element isn't feeling as necessary. Because if you're enjoying yourself so much that you're so enthralled with it, patience isn't really an issue. You're not really feeling like you need to have patience for next Christmas when you're in Christmas right now. So that's kind of the idea of point number one. Now let's move on to point number two. This is something that's going to come up a bare amount because I'm going to go in chronological order with all these points. She discussed a lot about the inner being. Now, she wasn't incredibly detailed as much as I would love, and I actually am super excited to even just go through YouTube binging on all the subjects by Googling Abraham Hicks and inner being to see more and more and more details of this idea fleshed out. But let me just say that she mentioned that the inner being, and I'll get into that in a second of what that is, has a point of attraction too. So this is so interesting. What she was trying to get us to understand was that there are two parts of us. There's the physical us, which are listening and talking on the show. So you're listening to me and I'm talking to you. There's these physical bodies and the consciousness within them. And we have another part of us that's in the non-physical. So that would be in the spiritual realm is often what that's called, or the zero point field, if you want to look at that from a scientific perspective. So she's saying that we have a larger part of us, which is what she calls this inner being as the term for it. I wonder if you could inter except the word soul, if you could put the word soul in there, possibly. I haven't heard her actually directly say that, so I don't want to put words in her mouth if that's not what they're meaning. But it makes me think that basically the concept of soul from a Christian or another perspective in spirituality might be connected to this more general phrase of inner being. And what's interesting to me, and I wanted and wished I could have asked her, when she says it has its own point of attraction too, what that makes me think about is does every person's inner being have the same point of attraction or do different people's inner beings have different points of attraction? I can understand that we have an inner being and it has at some point of attraction, but what I would love to know is, does each inner being have separate and differing points of attraction? And if so, why and what's going on there? But 
what we can remember in terms of how this applies to us because it doesn't really matter if other people sitting next to us have different points of attraction in their inner being. What she's saying is that law of attraction is also working with our inner being. So what she's basically alluding to here is when we say that we know what we want, whatever our desires are, she always says the inner being is at the vibrational place of you already having whatever those desires are. So it's kind of like law of attraction can work with them. It's just up to you and the physical to match up and line up with that same point of attraction your inner being has on that subject so that you can manifest it in your physical existence. And again, to go back up to point one, if you're feeling like you have to have patience for it, it's an obvious sign, a clear sign that you are not in alignment with your inner being's point of attraction on that subject. Because kind of what it seems like is the inner being has the thing already in the non-physical in that it already has the vibrational quality of that manifestation in your life. It's just about us in the physical lining up with that vibration in the physical to see the physical manifestation appear. So now let's move on to point number three. You cannot stop your inner being's beliefs. This is so interesting. So that means we cannot stop our inner being's beliefs. Well, beliefs, first of all, she always says, is a thought we keep thinking. So we can't stop what our inner being keeps thinking. And what she says about that is that fear is opposing thought to what the inner being is thinking. So the inner being is constantly thinking great, wonderful things about us and everyone around us, which is a very similar concept to a lot of Christian God-like qualities, right? When they say source energy or all that is, that's really the idea. Not that these are deities here, guys. We're just talking about energies and the universal sense here. We're not actually getting into religion. But what's interesting is that our inner beings have these thoughts of love and appreciation for everything and everyone. And when we step into a feeling of fear in our physical world, that's opposing the thoughts of the inner being's beliefs and therefore creating negative emotion in us. And that's what she says from day one. That's very much the elemental elements of this is that our inner being is already at the vibrational place of having whatever it is we want. Whenever we feel in good emotion, like it's Christmas today, even if it's not Christmas today and we don't even need that patience because we're enjoying the juiciness of this moment so much, what we're in is alignment with that inner being's beliefs. And over time, when consistently held at that vibration, those things will flow into our lives that match it. So when we're out of alignment with that, that's when the fear kicks in. That's when the negative emotion kicks in because there's disharmony between the physical us and the non-physical, the inner being version of us. Now let's move on to point number four. This is probably super exciting for those with families. She talked about co-creating with a family and saying that the idea of the inner being, knowing the desires for us, a lot of times I've even seen questions from people on the show here saying, well, what about co-creating with a partner or family? How do we do exactly what we want for alignment when we have all these other people in our lives too? Sure, Jess, maybe I want to sit around and eat bonbons all day instead of being able to get up with my children. What she said about this is that the inner being within us knows our deepest desires and the path of least resistance to achieve them. And so part of our desires is to take care of our family. So it's not going to necessarily 
in an authentic way drive us to do something that's totally out of alignment with our values or with our family and the things that are important to us in this sense. So we don't have to worry that by finding alignment and then taking the impulse that follows from an authentic inner being perspective will ever lead us away from the things that are important to us in terms of our family or the well-being of those that we love. Now, I'm not saying that it doesn't mean that we won't make changes. Like, yes, you could end a relationship and that can be a choice you choose to make with your inner being's alignment. But in terms of, yeah, I'm not going to feed my kids today or I'm not going to show up, those things they say are not actually true in terms of your inner being's desires. And it knows the path of least resistance and how to achieve what you're looking for. So you don't have to worry too much about whether or not finding alignment is going to leave your family in the lurch. In addition, she also said when it comes to co-creating with these families is that what you receive from others, you elicit through belief and expectation. So belief is a thought you keep thinking and your expectations, obviously the expectation based on those thoughts. So if you have these beliefs and expectations around the people in your lives, it is very likely that you're going to receive what matches your belief and your expectation. So you're always going to like the law of attraction get out what you put back. So everyone's going to always see whatever the beliefs they're holding, whether they think they can affect change through this or not through their beliefs and expectations, they're going to see that they're right either way because that's how the law of attraction works. You get what you put out. If you're putting out that it will always be this way, then it will. If you're saying that it will change, it will. It's all about you're getting what you're putting out there. And so what we have to remember too is we can't just say something three times yet have the thirstiness feeling for it and then expect it to change. It's the true vibrational nature of these things that needs to change because the world's not responding. The law of attraction is not responding to the words. It's not even responding to our desire. It's responding to our emotions and the vibration. So if we feel thirsty or we feel like we don't have that patience we want, that's how we know that we're not yet there. So when you're impatient with your family or you're not feeling satiated by the changes you're expecting or hoping to feel from the people around you, that's how you know you're not actually in the vibrational range of it. It's not about just thinking about it and wishing for it. It's about feeling as if it's there so much so that you're not even bothered already. So that's kind of an interesting one and possibly a little bit of a challenge for people that are thinking about difficult people in their family. And even that was interesting. And actually, I don't even have a point for this, but I remember her saying that we can thank the people in our lives that challenge us and challenge our alignment because when the people are easy, and I'm not going to say anything wrong with having easy people in our lives, but she said that the people that aren't easy often are an incredible gift to us because they show us how we can choose to find alignment unconditionally and within ourselves. So she did this example, Abraham said about Esther, that she and Jerry, her former husband who's now passed on, they got along so well, she always was kind of in alignment. And it wasn't until he died and went away that she had to start finding that alignment on her own. And they said that that was one of the biggest gifts that he gave her is his passing. Not that his gift was to give her the alignment all the time and be so agreeable during their life together, but also the fact that her having to find it when he wasn't there was a huge blessing. And that would also go for difficult people in our lives. We should thank them because they help us show up in a deliberate way. Because it's really easy to not have to be deliberate if you're already feeling happy and satisfied beforehand. You never have to actually change your point of attraction. So 
in terms of how to actually do this, how to create these beliefs and expectations about others, she says it's all about pre-paving, meditating, and doing a workshop in order to change what shows up. And these are themes we'll talk about more in the coming points, so you'll hear how to do these things in the future. But let me just say, meditation was a huge theme, probably besides the inner being, one of the other two or three top themes throughout this. She talked a ton about meditation. In fact, more than I've ever heard her on any of the YouTubes or other workshop I've been to as well. Number five, point number five is talking about being in love. This was so cute. She said, being in love is being in alignment with one another at the same time. So when you're in alignment, you are feeling the good juju. You're in that good vibration. You're in that feeling of love, joy, peace, and clarity. You have all the patience in the world because you are fully savoring the unfolding of this moment. And when two people are together feeling that way and then directing that feeling at one another, she said, that's the feeling of being in love. Now let's move on to point number six. This is, again, going back to children. She said, to help children get into alignment, show them how they can get into alignment themselves. So do it. You have to be the change you wish to see in your children. So when your children upset you, she actually says, you have to go get into alignment on your own and stop expecting them and their behavior to get you into alignment. And by doing this consistently, you're going to show the children how they can do this as well. Now let's move on to point number seven, which is if you leave any situation because it's hard, you'll take it with you everywhere you go. Now this came from someone, I can't remember because this is many days ago now and many people in the hot seat ago, but I will say that someone was sitting there either directly speaking to her experience or I really think it was a mother speaking to her child's experience and decision to leave high school. She decided to leave high school and work her online program. So deciding to not be in high school anymore because she didn't like it. I don't know if it was because of social stuff or what, but Abraham said, only make your decisions when it's not hard. Because if it's in a place of out of alignmentness, like let's say she was hating the high school, she said, you're going to just take that feeling of hate or that vibration of frustration to the next place you go. So you'll probably hate the other thing too. So basically the idea is when you're in alignment, what is your urge? Stay or go. So the idea for this daughter in that case would have been, was she to really consider in a wonderful aligned place so that she knew that that was the right thing for her was to leave? Or was she so busy looking at the problem of the high school that she was trying to escape this pain but really only going to take it with her to the next unfolding? Now, this is something that I personally resonate with on a large level and something I've said to many people I've met along the way in the last few years around my ending of my last relationship is that I had such an incredible ending because there was such alignment. This was not out of a place of lack. This is out of a place of love and joy and peace. And so the results were also the same frequency of love, joy, and peace. So that was something to think about is if you want to leave any situation because it's hard, you'll take it with you everywhere you go. Point number eight is short and sweet, which is when you are feeling rested, it is the best chance to be in the receiving mode. Now, this is another big theme we're going to hear about. So if you want to know what the receiving mode is, just think of it as kind of like alignment. It's pretty much a synonym in many ways. The receiving mode is feeling as if you're already in that sweet spot. You already have the manifestation that you're looking for, at least in feeling form right now. So she said that being in that rested mode is the best chance 
to obviously be in alignment. But then once you're in that alignment, the receiving mode piece gets a little more specific. Receiving mode means you're actually starting to receive communication between you and that inner being I mentioned. Since the inner being is always thinking positive thoughts about you, you have to be in the vicinity of positive thoughts about you and your situation in order to receive information or impulses from it. So we are going to get into this much more detail in the future, but let me just say again, Being rested is your best chance to be in alignment and therefore once you're in alignment in the receiving mode. Now let's move on to point number nine, which kind of goes to this idea of manifestations and when are they going to happen and all that kind of stuff. She said, if you're taking score and if you're in the mode of taking score, like you're looking at the scale if you're looking about weight or if you're looking at your bank account or if you're looking at your relationship status on Facebook. If you're taking score of any of these things that you think you want in your life, you are not in the receiving mode. (laughs) This is kind of counterintuitive, but basically the less attached to these things in the physical reality you are, the more in the receiving mode you're going to be. So I've actually noticed this. When I used to have a lot of eating issues years ago, I remember that I was constantly taking score of how I felt about my body or weight or all that kind of stuff. And the irony is when I'm in my most ideal state, I care and pay the least attention to my weight. So that's kind of the idea is that it's the counterintuitive feeling that when you're already in the state of being that you want to be in, you're not even taking score because it's not important. And that's when you know you're the vibrational match to it counterintuitively. And the more aware of the fact that it's not here yet or ever that's when you're in the taking score mode. That's when you have doubt. You're doubting that you'll actually be able to receive it. So I'll actually go over the steps in case you guys aren't familiar. Most of you that have listened to Abraham know the steps, but she has five steps. We'll start with just step one through three because four and five are just repeating steps one and three. But step one is asking. So when you know what you don't want because of your life experience, you also know what you do want. What she calls this is asking and she calls it contrast. So when you get an experience where you someone's not nice to you, you want them to be nicer, right? So you're asking them or the universe for nicer people in your life. That is the taking score mode, sort of. And there's nothing really wrong with it. It's just about, she says, creating distance between that step and step three. But let me say quickly step two for those that are new to this. Step two is source answer. So your inner being gets to that vibrational place. The minute you want someone to be nicer to you, your inner being is already at the place vibrationally that they are nicer to you or you do have nicer people in your life. You actually don't even have to do anything in step two. We as physical people don't have to do it. The inner being's already done it. That step two is for the inner being part of us. We don't have to worry about it at all. Then step three is actually our main job because we don't even have to find contrast. The truth is we're going to know we don't want something. The minute someone's not nice to us, we already accomplished step one. We know we want them to be nice. If we didn't actually have to do anything, we automatically are going to have that reaction and thought. So that's not even a huge deal for us. We can get deliberate and focus on that and we'll get more into that and flow with intention online of how to do so. But let me just say, you don't have to worry about step one. It's being taken care of just because you're having preferences all the time. Step two is inner being's job. That's happening already. So that's pretty easy. Step three is really where as a conscious being, we have the choice, focus, and opportunity to deliberately line up with that positive feeling that step number two, our inner being's already at. Once we're matching those up, that's when things are happening. So in order to get out of that taking score mode and get into that receiving mode, 
that receiving the manifestation or receiving the impulses that will lead to the inspired actions, which will get us to that manifestation, we need to give us some distance, some space between the asking and the receiving. So when we're too quick or too tied to this idea of the score, what we weigh, what our bank account says, when we're too focused on that. That's how we know we're too stuck in the level of the problem. We're too stuck in the contrast. We're too stuck there. So we are not yet in the receiving mode. We need to make sure that we're not in the taking score mode. Now let's move on to point 10, which is there is two different ways that we have seen things. There is the make it happen human doings. This is something that our society has been very fixated on, especially in, I would say, the last well, millennia is really, but especially in the last hundred years, if you look at a lot of the research or like the personal development stuff, it's about making it happen. Humans need to take action. And yes, action is an integral part of being in the physical reality. But often what Abraham says, and this is what I find so brilliant about this work, is that we are taking far more action than we actually necessarily have to do. We're like burning ourselves out often. Not always. If it's inspired and fun and lifting us up and keeping us in alignment to take that action, that's very different. That's allowing actions, which I'll get to in a second. But often they say we have this work ethic and we have all this stuff around us saying work hard, work hard, work hard, try, struggle, all this stuff, and then you'll get there, is because we're trying to act when out of alignment. So a lot of times this human doing stuff is out of alignment action and we're trying to compensate for the fact that we're not at the vibrational frequency of having the thing. So in order to get the thing from this vibrational stance, it takes a heck of a lot of work versus, and this is what I love so much, and this is why I've shifted my own approach from this old way of doing things to make it happen approach, the hustle, hustle, hustle mind approach to this allowing actions. This is all about actions out of the receiving mode. So once you're in that vibrational stance where you feel super good, aligned and jazzy and happy, that place is going to give you an impulse. You're going to get this little feeling or urge that something seems fun or something is intriguing or you want to go check that out, whatever it is. It may not even make sense at the time. I've seen this so much now as I've started to really look for those little impulses and those receiving mode thoughts. But as you take those seemingly inconsequential or not even clear on like why you're doing this thing exactly, but you just decide to follow it anyways, it doesn't seem to come from your conscious mind, which we'll get into more in a second hopefully in this episode, if not in the future ones, we have these impulses that are basically our communication with our inner being saying over here, over here, over here, the thing you want is over here. It's going to come and it may not be directly from the action at hand that we're taking, but out of the sequence of those actions going forward, that's getting us closer and closer to what it is that we do want. So when we do those simple things, those inspired actions, they feel fun and free and flowing, then the things we do are coming from this aligned place. We don't have to take as much action. Basically, think about it like a shortcut. It's like if you're playing a video game and there's this cheat code that gets you a bunch of points faster or shows you how to get through Mario's land and like, you know, cheat through half the battlefield or whatever the, <laughs> the video game in mind is. That's kind of the way these allowing actions are. You still take actions, but you don't have to work as hard or the actions get to be that much more fun than the old churn and burn hustle and hard work mentality. It shouldn't feel hard. 
I guess that's kind of one way to think about it. It should, it should feel fun. Actually, they gave us a keychain in the cruise that says life's supposed to be fun. So I really like that, thinking about how can I make whatever it is I'm doing fun right now? How can I tap into the fun of this rather than the quote-unquote hard work of this? Because when I'm in the mode of hard work, I'm out of alignment. Unless that hard work feels as juicy as fun, then I would say it's fun and it's not even hard work. So the hardness, right? It's not about we can't challenge ourselves. It's not about us not extending ourselves further than we have before, but extending ourselves further than we have before is very different than striving and crashing or burning our adrenal glands, like, right? There's a difference between the stress and the fun. And we know the feeling of that. We know the vibrational level of that. So I won't get too far into that. But I really loved her idea of the make it happen versus allowing actions. So if you feel inspired to do something, go do it. That was her big point. Oh my gosh, we're 30 minutes in and I'm only on point number 10. This is going to be a fun series to do, guys. Hopefully you're enjoying this too. I'm excited to be able to share all this stuff because obviously, you know, it's my favorite thing in the world. But also hopefully this is making sense to you as I'm trying to just give you little talking points and shift what was in a conversation into something you can actually apply directly to your life right now. Now let's move on to point number 11. Don't worry about thoughts. Become aware of emotions. So this is something that's interesting. It's not about us monitoring our thoughts as much as it is us learning to monitor our emotions. So if we go, oh my gosh, that thought was so bad. Have you ever had that where you're like, why did I just think that terrible thing about that person or have this urge to, I don't know, jump on the office table during the business meeting or whatever it is. Don't worry that an individual thought is going to create some big law of attraction reaction. It's really your emotions that are doing the movement in your life. So don't worry about thoughts. Emotions are the movement. So that's pretty easy and simple, but especially as a really beginner law of attraction question some people have. Number 12, another great beginner point is that when you meditate at first, when you first start doing it, it may seem like a huge upheaval. Like, oh my gosh, this has gotten so much worse. I am so much more negative thinking than I used to be. She says this isn't the case. We're just becoming more aware of it. So that's something you can hear a lot of meditators say from any teachings, but she reiterated it in this conversation as well. And then point number 13, she said, the present moment is a manifestation. And in that, each moment has joy and let that be enough. So let whatever it is that this moment has for you include joy and let that be enough. Now that is sometimes easier said than done. So we just went from two really easy beginner tips to something that can seem like Jedi night tricks when you think about some situations in your life. Now, obviously, I would say have compassion for yourself if you're not able to find the joy in the present moment if it's really terrible. But she was saying, you know, letting each present moment be a manifestation that has joy and let that be enough. And actually, we'll talk more about what that enoughness feels like in future comments, but I'll just leave that point with it right where it is. Now let's move on to 14. This is actually a great place to end and a really good juicy one. So this is kind of a really great nugget you can start applying today, right now. 
Number 14, how does the receiving mode exactly work? She has four different steps. So receiving mode, like I said, so first of all, it's about that alignedness. Receiving means you're in alignment with your inner being, so your inner being communication is heard. When you have the inner being's communication, that inspiration, that random urge to go do something that you consciously couldn't explain, but leads to something more and more and more, and then eventually leads to the actual manifestation you wanna have in your life. So how to get there? Number one is meditate. Now, their form of meditation is different than any other form of meditation, or at least the way it's spoken about seems to be a little different than a lot of others. It has some obviously similar qualities, but the way that they describe it really is quite simple. They say, sit in a room, focus on a sound in that room, like find like the air conditioner sound or something consistent, not voices or TV in the background, but try to listen for a consistent humming or buzzing or air conditioner noise. Use that. So tune your mind to that and then wait and get as still until you feel kind of like you're floating. Now, I'm not going to say you're going to be levitating above your bed, but it kind of feels like you can't feel your body. Basically, they say, listen to a sound and stay as still as you can until you can't really feel your hands or tell that you have hands. Have you ever had that feeling before? You're like, wow, I don't even know if my hand is even touching my thigh right now. I can't even tell the difference. That's the state of meditation they're asking you to get in. Then step number two is that as you do this and you slow this brain down and you just let the thoughts roll by that you know you're consciously thinking and everything's still to that place where you're not feeling your body so clearly, a thought will occur and it will kind of pop in. Think of it as a pop in. It's like, oh, where did that come from? When you have that kind of a thought, and it won't be critical and it won't be negative, it'll be something that'll be positive or uplifting or random. It doesn't even have to be a serious thought. That thought that you go, where did that come from? But it's not negative or egotistical. That is something to consider as an impulse given by your inner being. Now, they call it the path of least resistant thought. So that's step number three, is that whatever that thought is that doesn't seem to come from you but comes from this really still place once you've quieted the mind, that's the path of least resistance thought. According to Abraham, that's the thought that your inner being knows the next action will lead to something that is along what you're wanting. So step four is then don't judge the thought. So one of the things they talked about is Abraham mentioned that Esther recently had the urge to go rearrange the furniture. And out of a rearranging of the furniture, led her to this guy that really wanted to learn and she had something to teach him. So it kind of became this beautiful unfolding. But it came from this simple little thought of, I want to rearrange the furniture. So as long as it's coming from a quiet, thoughtless mind, don't judge the thought, please act on it because it's part of your path of least resistance to other things that you want in the future. So hopefully you guys like this episode and I'll be doing more of them and going into other things. I'm looking at to point number 15, which is how to know that you have proof before the manifestation that it's coming. And we have denying the love of the inner being and what happens. Let me look ahead. Talking about the world and creation and whether it was created or is that not actually the way it actually works and what the deeper questions of enlightenment are. So that's stuff coming up in part two, but hopefully you've enjoyed where we are right now. So there you have it, guys. If you want to send me a message, you can do so on Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat, although I don't really use Snapchat anymore. I'm too busy sharing stories over on Instagram. You can do so over at Jess C, as in cruising with Abraham Hicks Lively. And for show notes for this episode, head over to JessLively.com slash cruise part one. 
Before I share where I'm headed to next, let's talk about today's sponsor, Squarespace.com. Squarespace is awesome. If you have a brand, a business, a blog, you are looking to get started and you want to have a beautiful website and you want to do it quickly and simply, here's my suggestion. Get really good photos the best you can. You can get them taken, obviously, by a photographer. Don't let the photos stop you, but I just do think that that is step one. And then step two is once you have good photos. You can even find great stock photos nowadays too. They've really upped the game in stock photos online as well. So that can help to round out the site so you don't have to have every single photo taken directly by yourself or a photographer for your site. But then once you have a good selection, go plug those photos in the beautiful templates over at Squarespace. Squarespace has done such a beautiful job making the way you launch a site for anything you want to share online so beautiful and so simple. And like I said, I really emphasize the photography because the designs are so beautiful on Squarespace, but so often the images are really what's going to elevate this to the custom design that they can actually look like. If you don't have the photos there, that's what's going to actually be, I think, the biggest hindrance is not actually the websites anymore because this Squarespace is figured out. It's really about finding the photography that's really going to align with what you're looking to share and then using it in a beautiful site like Squarespace. If you want to try it, head over to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code lively to get 10% off of your purchase of the website or domain. So hopefully you guys enjoy that. We love using it here at Team Lively. And as far as where I'm headed to next, I'm still staying here in Sydney, readjusting, like I said, to the time zones and working with Flow With Intention members and so much more. Until next week, may something wonderful happen to you today. <laughs>